Welcome to today's broadcast of Front Porch Talks. I'm Grayson Willis. And I'm Pastor Margaret Michael. Thanks for tuning in today, and today we're joined by Nicole Wright. Nicole, how are you doing today? Doing well, thank you. Uh, It's good to have you, Nicole. Just uh, start out telling us about where you're from and about how you grew up. I've lived in a lot of places. Uh, I've lived here in the valley uh, near Grottos for probably going on about nine years now, give or take. Um, Stayed here after college. I did three years at JMU. Before that, my mom was a single parent, so we moved around a lot. Um, Everywhere from, I was born in California to Maryland to Fredericksburg, which I guess is now Northern Virginia now. Mm. Um, Lived in Fredericksburg mostly, uh, middle school and high school. So... Very good. So you did move around a lot as you were growing up. Where did faith, was that a part of your growing up? Um, yes. Um, my mother and my grandmother always called it being religious. Uh-huh. Uh, my grandmother, as long as I can remember, always had them at the Lutheran church uh, when they lived in various places. Um, so I have a distinct memory of that. I mean, I definitely knew who God was. You knew who Jesus was. You definitely knew how to say, you know, like the, our father, mm-hmm. uh, we said a God is good prayer every night at dinner. Uh, we still say it as a matter of fact, at some family <laughs> gatherings, <Yeah. laughs> I just did this Thanksgiving, but I mean, I definitely knew who God was, who Jesus was. I had read my Bible. Um, mm-hmm. that was, you know, big part. Uh, my mother had some struggles, but she definitely tried to definitely teach me what faith mm-hmm. was and just why it was important to uh, believe. Yeah. So it was important to her that you had that foundation. Yes. Probably was a little tough for her because it sounds like maybe she struggled too. So trying to get that into your core, Mm -hmm. um, that's admirable. It was, it was. I remember one of my favorite things uh, growing up. I don't know why I still retain the memory, but I got this um, really battered copy of a children's Bible. Like, it kind of went through each book with small little excerpts, Mm -hmm. uh, pictures. And I remember one night, uh, she had already fallen asleep. Um, I read it, like, cover to cover in one day. Um, I don't know why that stands out, but it was just I really, really liked it. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, I got a Bible later on that was, you know, a little more in-depth and definitely read that as well. Um, That was definitely encouraged. So you went, you heard about being religious. Mm-hmm. When was it that Jesus really became real to you? When you really began to seek that for yourself? It might be all wrapped up in what you just told me. I'm sure right. it is. So I should probably preface that with my mother and I hopped churches a lot, um, especially in Fredericksburg. Um, as I said, she had some pretty big struggles. We, so we often went to churches for help or mm-hmm. assistance and she would kind of find something to latch on to and kind of get that, whatever the attention is that she craved or the help that she felt we needed. I distinctly remember kind of saying that I was saved and that I accepted Christ because I thought that was the right thing to do mm-hmm. at a Baptist church in Spotsylvania County, which is attached to Fredericksburg, uh, just outside the city. And we that was the first time I experienced, as we called it, dunking baptism. Uh-huh. Um, I was baptized Lutheran, so I... Um, they do the water when the baby's quite young. Um, and I did it because I thought that was the right thing to do. And I thought, okay, this is what it is. I was like 11, mm-hmm. 12 maybe, you know. So I thought, well, this is what I'm supposed to do now because mom said so. Mm-hmm. Um, later as a teenager, um, I had moved in with, well, my aunt and uncle, my mom's oldest brother. I got in custody. And um, we wound up going to a Nazarene church, Salem Fields in Fredericksburg uh, with Pastor Buddy. And I think that's when I kind of fully understood a little more Mm -hmm. of it and what it all entailed and 
got dunked again, except this time in a swimming pool. So that's, um, we don't want to miss the point of Buddy mm-hmm. being your pastor. Mm-hmm. I, have a, I know Grayson wants to say something about that. Yeah. Well, I just was thinking how, like, small the world is because yeah. uh, you mentioned going to his church in Fredericksburg, and he's actually from Rockingham mm-hmm. County, Kieseltown. and yep. His uh, parents have attended our church recently. His mom passed away, but mm-hmm. I've he's known me all my life because he was an associate pastor, mm-hmm. youth pastor here when my parents first started coming. So uh, that's a cool story. And uh, you said you mostly grew up in Fredericksburg. I guess your teenage years, is that? Yes, uh, it was a bit tumultuous to say the least. Um, so to back it up a little, my grandparents moved out to Spotsylvania County right by Fredericksburg and built a home. I think that was where they wanted to retire. They were getting to that age. And my mother had always... I guess you say, I don't want to say been dependent, but really been needed to be around her parents. Um, and with her being a single parent of me, I'm sure it's not easy to be a single parent. I don't have children as of yet. So we moved to Maryland. I want to say it was like Southern Maryland, like the Waldorf, Calvert County, Calvert Cliffs type of area. Um, she'd held a job for a little while, but then we wound up, some events occurred and we wound up moving in with my grandparents there in Spotsylvania County, a little further out in the county. Um, and stayed there. Uh, We lived with them most of middle school, so for me that was about almost age 11, like right around 10 to, you know, until I finished high school there in Spotsylvania County at about 17. Uh, We moved several times there in and out of my grandparents' home. Uh, I had an uncle, my mom's oldest brother, Uncle Steve, that got custody of me and took me in when I was about close to 14. Mm -hmm. So, but I spent most of those years there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, tell us about meeting Buddy and how that changed your life. Okay, so (laughs) it's kind of a funny story. I can say it now because I'm older. I was not an easy teenager to deal with. Uh, My aunt and uncle got custody of me in a pretty tumultuous time. I was, I think it was right before I turned 14. So Mm. being a teenage girl as it is, and then, you know, not being in the most stable environment, my grandparents had custody briefly and uh, they were fantastic. I mean, they did everything for me my entire life. But I think it was just a stability thing as well as a healthier thing for them. So Uncle Steve and Aunt Roslyn got me, and I moved in with them probably about halfway through my freshman year of high school. And then they thought, we need to go to church. <laughs> and we were living in the Fox Point subdivision at that time. It was a little closer to where my grandparents lived, right off Courthouse Road. And I don't remember what exactly attracted them to that church. At that point in my life, I was very like kept to myself. Like I really didn't socialize. I didn't really know how to do that you know, family time. It just felt weird to me because, you know, they had two sons who were grown. They're fantastic. I love my cousins very much, but I just didn't grasp the concept of those relationships because I'd always been on my own with it just being me and my mother or Mm. me, my mom, and my grandparents. I really didn't have the best social set of skills. Um, So being a teenager, I was like, I don't want to go. You know, I don't want to go. It's, I don't want to get up on Sunday morning. Mm -hmm. Uh, We got involved and I honestly think it was a God thing. It was like I was just hooked, um, heard, I think, Buddy's sermons first. Um, I don't even recall what the first was. And then we wound up going to Fusion. Uh, my cousin Adam and I are only three weeks apart. It's their teenager youth group, like a high school youth group, and we got very involved in that. Mm-hmm. And that's where I met uh, Chris Meek. Oh, that's, which a, that's we, a throwback, too. Yeah, yeah oh, that's oh, awesome. I go, we got some good stories with, uh, we called him Meeks. But yeah, he definitely was... some fun stuff, and he wound up being our neighbor for a while. Really? So, and then I saw him up here when I came to college. It was wow. 
Yeah. So, yeah, Chris was on staff here as a youth pastor mm-hmm. as well. I remember when he came up here because he came uh, right after I left high school. Wow. That's really great. I hope he gets to listen to this. Mm-hmm. I think that will... You all should probably have a conversation. We should. We should. We definitely have some good <laughs> stories, uh, to say the least. <laughs> yeah, that's great. They got to deal with me and all my crud. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what the body of Christ is for, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was from Augusta County and then was up in Fredericksburg <laughs> I know, before you... coming back here. And I believe it was my junior year of high school when he came here, so... Yeah. He was a youth pastor for a, a little over a year while I was here. I remember seeing him here when I went to JMU for three years. That's how I came to the Valley. And he, um, I ran into his wife and Ryan, his little, his little boy. And I was like, wait, what are you guys doing here? Wow. It's too small of a world. It is. hundred miles apart. But yeah, <laughs> that's great. So this month, um, the month of December, we are focusing on Celebrate Recovery. Excellent. I'm here on Front Porch Talks and just how being a part of the Celebrate Recovery family, what that's been like for you, how you got involved, um, which I think is probably another funny story. Yes. And we can start with that um, as we talk a little bit about what's happening these days. Okay. Well, um, I guess now that I think about it, coming to this church period has kind of been one funny story after another, a series of coincidences. If you believe in those. Guess it's definitely a God thing. So I found Celebrate Recovery by accident. I um, was working. I still do. I have a second job on the weekends doing event marketing. So I was often at, you know, just different fairs, festivals, and shows and really struggled to get to come to church on Sundays, which I was coming to a point I felt I really needed. Um, there's a whole lot of backstory with that, but could write a book. So I had looked online. There had been some events that had occurred. Um, my best friend, Jess, who's more of a sister to me than just a friend. I kind of call her my adoptive sister. had gone through a program called Grief Share. She'd been mm-hmm. through some struggles we've talked about um, with her mom passing and everything. And I was like, well, I can check it out. You know, let me just see what this church has to offer. Uh, Buddy had told me to come up here when I went to college. And, you know, hey, this is a good church for you to connect to. This is where I'm from. He had told me about his parents' garage there in Kieseltown. And his dad actually repaired my car for me at least once. And I was like, well, what the heck? I'll look. Like, it's the closest thing. Um, I really wanted to go back home to Salem Fields, but it's just, frankly, it's too far to drive. Um, so I looked on the website, and I saw Celebrate Recovery, and I'm like, oh, this is like a Monday night service, like how some churches will have mm-hmm. weekday services in addition to weekends. And, you know, that's kind of how I landed. I walked in, and I saw they were serving a meal, and I'm like, okay, this is this is interesting. About ran out when I saw that they were doing the 12 steps. Yeah, I was very familiar with those because I had gone through some Al-Anon um, in an attempt to understand some stuff that had happened with my mother. She had gone through alcohol um, abuse treatment later on toward the end of her life. It's like, oh, man, I don't, I don't have a substance abuse problem. Like, I fortunately never struggled with it. Um, but I, I don't know why. I just I stuck around and, you know, finally found somewhere I actually fit in here. So that's the short of it. Well, and... You came in, you said you didn't have a substance abuse problem, so you didn't really know if it was, you know, you were here. But what did you find is the other side of that, that a lot of people think that recovery is just for people that have addiction. Like drug and alcohol addiction, yeah. And that's that's something I've really always had an aversion to, and it's something I'm steadily working on, I'll say, is... You know, addiction's a real struggle for people. I don't mean to downplay it, but I've always had a very negative attitude toward it just because of how I grew up. I grew up surrounded by it, and it caused quite a lot of problems, especially for me growing up, socially, economically, and otherwise. 
Um, what I found very quickly was I actually, Margaret's one of the first people I met. Uh, when I walked through the door, I was welcomed with open arms and Granted, had some pretty big walls up. Um, just learning more about the program, I went through the newcomers thing, mm -hmm. and can't remember the fellow's name. Tall fellow. Uh, we were still in the sanctuary at the time, mm -hmm. and um, just realized very quickly, you know, it's for everybody with any kind of hurt, bad habit, or hang up, uh, trauma of the past was mm -hmm. kind of what I was going for. Um, really helps you just kind of unpack, you know, your burdens, your emotional pain, um, wrongs I might feel like I have done, or wrongs that have been done to me. So it really is multifaceted in that it can help anybody and everybody. It's not just for people who have done something bad. It's for everybody that's ever been hurt or, you know, gotten hung up on something through the course of their life. And yeah, it's kind of how I landed and been here two years now. That's it's good. been two years. It's been a lot of fun, actually, to watch you. <laughs> Thank um, you from the time that you came in the doors and maybe had some walls up and then begin to let some of those walls down mm -hmm. and um, entered in uh, to community, mm -hmm. to family. Absolutely. And you're here every week um, that you can be here. And it's been amazing to watch that healing process Thank for you. you. And I think sometimes when we are in relationships that are of the addictive nature, you have someone who's addicted and always there's this other side of codependency yeah that you have to learn to stand up and to know that you you do have a right to your thoughts and to mm -hmm. your life and um, that it's okay to say no and I, I mean that's a huge lesson to learn it is it is that's something I'm still working on I think it'll be a continual process yes and so uh, yeah it's been fun you're a leader mm -hmm. um, you help lead a group and what does CR family mean to you what does it mean to um, be a part of this? I guess I'd say it's something something my best friend Jessie's mom used to tell me, or her family used to tell me, was, you know, your family's important, your blood family's very important, but um, Jess was adopted, as were her two siblings, is family can be things other than blood. Like, I definitely have my blood family, and I love them very much, but it's nice to have a local family as well. Mm -hmm. It's a support network. Mm-hmm. Um, Celebrate Recovery is a place anybody can go, no matter what, where you're judgment-free. You're never judged. You're loved for who you are in the now, not, you did this 10 years ago? Oh, my gosh. Like, it's just warmth and welcoming. And for me, the important part has been making local friends, like quality local friends mm -hmm. as well that, I guess it goes back to codependency, you know, aren't, sometimes people will make friends or be your friend just to use you or just to get something out of the relationship. Here, I have been able to find people where it's an actual honest friendship where you're there to build each other up and be there for each other um, instead of it being one-sided. And I know that goes back to my codependency issues, but, you know, here I'm not originally from here, so I made the observation very early, especially when I moved out in the county. Everybody knew everybody, and I did not because I was not a local. Here, that doesn't matter. Like, I finally have found, like, that locally-centered group of family and friends mm -hmm. that makes it home mm -hmm. so it's probably one of my favorite parts of CR yes well that's neat to hear uh um actually recently I was talking to somebody who wasn't from around here but they said they had moved around a lot and they said this is the first place I found that really feels like home mm -hmm. and that's kind of what I heard you saying that yeah. even though you were an outsider you didn't feel like an outsider that no. made you kind of added you said here you're part of the family yeah, well that's exactly it I mean I've moved so many times gosh elementary school I think I was in a different school once a year if not more and you know I guess I was 
supposed to, you know, go to college. I didn't finish, but, you know, move home and stay in Fredericksburg, Northern Virginia. But for some reason, I just, I happened to have a job and I got this horrible apartment over off 42. And then from there, I just stayed here. Like it was just, I kind of equate it now to a God thing of it's, God puts things in our lives, puts things in my lives where I don't always understand it, but I always find that I'm right where I need to be. Mm-hmm. He's good that way. Yes. For sure. So you're here. Um, right. <laughs> and we're glad <laughs> that you're here. What is something like today, there are people listening. They might need hope in their life. They might be in a dark place. What is something that you could share with them? Maybe something that you've learned that's helped you. Okay. Now, I remember we were having dinner the yes. other night. You talked about this year was going to be different. Your yeah. holidays were going to be different. Yeah. Tell us about that. So I have always kind of struggled around the holidays, just kind of feeling left out or just not really knowing how to react to them. I've always understood the meaning of Christmas. I mean, it was drilled into my head from very, very young. My grandfather read us the Christmas story every morning that I can remember. I think it was out of Luke. Mm-hmm. And then we would open presents. So I definitely knew the meaning of the holidays. Mm -hmm. It's always been something I understood. But I've come to realize through my time in Celebrate Recovery, knowing things and feeling things can be polar opposites sometimes. Mm -hmm. So I've always struggled with it. Just my grandparents have since passed on. Um, They lived a long life, both Mm -hmm. of them. I believe my grandmother, well, we found out she was really in her 90s when we thought she was in her 80s. Um, She fudged. She wanted to be the same age as my grandfather because it was taboo, you know, to be older. Mm -hmm. Um, so she lived into her 90s. I believe my grandfather was in his 80s. Um, they lived wonderful lives, raised four children, um, definitely helped raise me. Um, but after they were gone, it was like the holidays I'm by myself. You know, family grows up. We all move about. I have some cousins in Fredericksburg. Uh, the aunt and uncle that I lived with in high school live in Colorado now. Um, just actually saw the place they have. It's beautiful. So I've always struggled with being alone on the holidays, and I just decided it's different, uh, that I will treat it as something better to just see it for positive things instead of whining about it and feeling alone. Yeah. I think uh, what you said was, you know, I always go to Uncle Dave's for uh, Thanksgiving. And instead of waiting for them to call and invite me, Mm -hmm. I called and invite, you know, ask what we're going to do. Yeah. And it went fantastic. Thanksgiving with him was absolutely wonderful. And I think that's the beauty of taking maybe not control of your life, but yet just seeing life from a different perspective. Yeah. Yeah. You know, absolutely. it's such a different mindset as to pull into isolation and feel sorry Mm -hmm. for yourself or enter into community and say, Hey, what are we doing? Yeah. I mean, we just had the most fantastic time. Um, we ate late like we always do. I don't think any of us are ever really early to anything. Um, guess it's a right family trait. I'm always late. So uh, we had a really good meal. Um, my Uncle Dave has three children. He has um, two daughters and a son. Uh, Megan, the oldest, was there with her two little girls um, I had not gotten to see since last Christmas. And the one, actually, I had never seen. Little Emmy um, is nine months. And she just came right to me. Granted, she wanted my necklace. <laughs> but just having that, like, downtime and just spending time as family, it was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was playing with Zoe, uh, Megan's oldest, she's three, uh, just a remarkable girl. Um, her mommy's going to have her hands full. Um, but just just quiet time with them. Like me and Megan were hanging out while the guys were watching football because I totally do not get football. 
Yes. Um, and just catching up, you know, little things like, well, what you been up to? How's work? Uh, Megan's telling me about how it's going with the girls. And, you know, John works at the White House now, I think. So they were just, you know, just normal catching up stuff. And then their other daughter came over later after work. We sat there, you know, while she had supper. Because, of course, we, you know, we, mm-hmm. we had already had our first plate. And that gave me opportunity for second plate. And she's eating and just a good time. Yeah, that makes me think of a scripture that the Lord will restore what the locusts have eaten. Yeah. Like, although as a young girl, you didn't have that family unit that you Mm -hmm. felt real connected to, but not only has God brought you into that place of being a part of that with your blood kin, but he's also uh, restored some things. Yes. He's really taught me some valuable lessons, especially about letting people in and letting people see the real me. It's quite easy. I mean, I work with the public for employment. It's easy to have a simple conversation, you know, something very surfaced, very, you know, not going deep at all, um, and build those acquaintances. But there's a distinct difference between an acquaintance and a friendship or family. Mm -hmm. And it's important to make sure to allow yourself to let people in so that you have that deeper friendship and family. I just, the last few years, really built some great friendships, obviously Mm -hmm. here um, at the church, especially through CR, Mm -hmm. but also some of my neighbors. I mean, it's just the most remarkable, remarkable thing. Mm -hmm. You know, recently I, and I I officiate a few funerals along the way, Um, and recently I officiated one that was extremely painful, um, a young person, and there was deep grief. And I told them, if we love deep, because there's this thing, if we, there's this chance that we take when we open ourselves yes. up for deep relationships. Absolutely. But to not do it is to miss life. Right. If you love deeply, there is the good chance you'll get hurt deeply. I mean, people pass. We lose people. It's, it's that's not being, forever. That's mortality. Yeah. Um, learned that really early. I learned that as a teenager. But it is so much better. My life is so much more full Allowing those deep relationships. Yes. And it's worth it. It is. Um, it is. The hurt hurts, but it's okay to be hurt. Well, um, I don't think as a believer um, that we can make it through this life and not be. Like, if yeah. there's suffering that's attached to the life of the believer. But it's different when you have the healthy boundaries. Yes. And you have healthy relationships where you can... Not just not have the conversation, but have the healthy You have con- somebody to go to. Yes. And you have also something I've learned here that I feel is important is healthier coping mechanisms. Um, it's, and I was told this from a young age, it's not healthy to bottle. Don't just push everything down because eventually it does explode. It does. Um, and that's a key part, I believe, of Celebrate Recovery for somebody like me is just learning to express those emotions and those deep-seated hurts and, you know, yeah. whatever, traumas in a healthy, uh, responsible mm-hmm. um, way. Yes. Thank you for sharing, Nicole. And I know uh, as you were talking, just a great um, attitude, you know, focusing on what we have to be grateful for, not focusing on the things that maybe could be better or mm-hmm. whatever, kind of a glass half full as opposed to a glass half empty mm-hmm. type of thing. And then also uh, it was a great point Pastor Margaret brought up about restoring what the locust has eaten. Yes. Is there anything else that you haven't shared with us already that you would like to share um, or, you know, anything significant in your life that's had a huge impact on your life? Not really. Um, Like I said, just really focusing on building those healthy relationships. 
Um, I think that's been the biggest project the past two years. Yeah, just remember, let people in. Like, even if you're going through a hard time, let people in. It's so much better. And, you know, so often the enemy tells us that we can't, that we shouldn't, that he right. brings shame or whatever. Or they're not going to like me. They'll never, you know, it'll change <laughs> our relationship. And just realizing that we need to be willing yeah. to engage and that we'll lose a lot more by not than we'll ever gain. Absolutely. I mean, just something that's been remarkable lately. I went out with several of my neighbors. I live in a trailer park. Um, several of us went bowling yesterday. I mean, it was something really simple. It was my neighbor, Eric, my neighbor, Deb, and her adorable little girl. Just things like that. I never used to do things like that. And it's forming that closeness. Yes. I mean, we're always all there for each other. You know, nobody has especially a lot, but it's just having that sense of community. Yes. Is a remarkable feeling. Mm-hmm. So people just really need to remember coming to see our, you'll be welcomed and you'll be loved no matter what you've done. Mm-hmm. Buddy used to say this thing. I don't remember his exact words, and I really wish I'd have listened more. <laughs> and he'd probably laugh to hear me say that. Don't care what you did last night. Don't care where you're coming from. I'm, I'm just glad you're here today. And that's mm-hmm. also the attitude I feel like CR has. Mm-hmm. You know, granted, they'll encourage all of us to make positive, good, healthy Christian choices. Yes. But, and obviously we're not condoning, you know, you're not condoning poor mm-hmm. behavior, but... Okay, you messed up, no biggie. Like, you accept your consequences and you move your life forward. You improve your life. Mm -hmm. You take what you're dealing with and what you're given and use it for good. Right. I mean, just hearing some of the testimonies we hear, like when Nate taught his lesson, you gave your Mm -hmm. testimony. Teresa, uh, one of our leaders, has shared hers. Just. Yes. You take the stinky bits, the icky, oniony bits of your life, Mm -hmm. and use those experiences for good. It's like, okay, you messed up, not a big deal. Like, we all. What is it? All have sinned and fall short of the glory mm-hmm. of God. Yeah. Um, we've all messed up. It's The difference is made when you use that for his good and for his, his right, will. Right, right. Um, Romans 8.28, it just takes me to that scripture, and I, okay. I want to quote it. Another one that should be a part of CR is uh, 1 Corinthians 13.13, 13, the love chapter. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the first thing I think of when I try to describe it to somebody, especially my family who know nothing of it. Right. Uh, the scripture in Romans 8, and we know in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And, mm-hmm. you know, God takes all of the mess. He meets us in the messy middle, and that's where we try to meet one another, right? Mm-hmm. We come into this place, into CR, and we're in the messy middle usually when we come in. And God meets us there, and uh, we meet each other there. And... He works out those things for those who love him. Yes. It's not for every person and let, because it has to do with loving him right. and leaning into him. Yeah. And I think that's powerful that he takes care of those things. Right. He makes something beautiful. He makes a message out of our mess. Yeah. Well, it, my, my biggest thing with that is not having to always be in control. My life was really up in the air as a child, and it does have an impact on you as an adult, even though, you know, I used to say it didn't, is being able to give that control over to God once. Mm, And it's a daily process. For me, surrender is daily, moment by moment sometimes. But by surrendering, I find healing. And everybody else can, too. (laughs) Um, Well said. Yes. Everybody can find healing through surrender. God Mm. will always be there to help all of us, no matter what our stinky, icky, muddy, nasty situations are, 
We just have to be willing to accept that help. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the most important lessons I learned from CR. And I'm still learning, especially with some of the girls in the groups I'm in, both with the step study as well as our open share, is just allowing someone to help. Um, That's very common as well with people that have been victims of trauma, Mm -hmm. especially is control was taken away in traumatic Mm -hmm. situations. And bad things happen at various levels. But by having that control taken away and feeling like you're out of control, simple situations become difficult because especially for me, I've always had that need for control. Mm-hmm. If someone's a victim of trauma, the most important thing is realize that it's not their fault and right. that it's okay to want to take control, but to do that in healthy manners. Mm-hmm. By taking control, personally by me, taking control of my life, for me, has also meant allowing help to come in. Because mm-hmm. you could, it's still being in control. I'm not losing control. I'm receiving help and receiving you know, God's mercy and grace while still you know, having those healthy boundaries and healthy choices. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's become my passion with CR, especially as maybe, you know, how people have experienced more trauma because it's a whole other set of issues. Right. It's a whole other mindset, a whole other way of having to change your way of stinking thinking, as Pastor Margaret loves to say. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it's easy to fall into the trap of stinking thinking, that's for sure. Well, Nicole, thank you for joining us Mm -hmm. on Front Porch Talks today. It's been good to have you and to hear your testimony. Mm -hmm. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast of Front Porch Talks. We pray that Nicole Wright's testimony has been a half hour of hope for your life. May God bless. Front Porch Talks is sponsored by Harrisonburg First Church of the Nazarene in partnership with Sunshine Ministries.